You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second hour of gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Uh, the Raptors, a fun game. A fun game because offensively, they could put the basket, they can basket, they put the ball in the basket. They beat the Hornets 132, 120. Uh, Siakam with 28. OG Ananobi, 6 of 7 from 3. A career high, 6 made 3 pointers, all basically from the same spot, but he shot the ball with purpose. And it just, every time the ball left his hands, it felt like it was going to go in. He had 22. Maybe the bigger story, the bench put up 40 points. The team put up a season high 32 assists, including 20 at the half. That was a fun game. And the first thing here about the, about the Raptors, hopefully they can keep building on this three-point shooting. You know, you since that game against Milwaukee, where they shot under 20%, they've shot over 40 cents. 42 of their last 104. And what you hope for is that it is contagious, that what we saw last night, and not that they're going to hit 20 of 44. That's unrealistic. The main thing is just get it to at least league average. Also, you know, shoot it at a good clip when you are open. That, to me, is one of the big things. Because when you're not hitting the open shots, just what that does for other teams defensively, and they can just sort of dictate what they do to the Raptors. But a fun game. And it was, it, it was great seeing Precious Achua looking more confident out there. Him and Boucher, 10 of 15 for 25 points. And because the bench did so well, now Siakam did play 36 minutes, but Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent played 31. Van Vliet played 33. And for Fred Van Vliet, kind of an interesting night. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Lowry, where not doing much early on, but then when they went on that 14 0 run that really opened that game up. A lot of those Van Vliet hit back-to-back three-pointers and also had two assists. Well, join us now to talk Raptors, and really we'll go around the NBA a little bit, from NBA.com senior writer. It is Steve Ashburner. Steve, thanks so much for joining the show today. Hi, sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on. So, Steve, let's start here. Your thoughts on the Raptors. I always find it fascinating to look at the people that look at the league as a whole and get more of that 30,000-foot view. Now, your midseason grades, you gave them a D+. Plus. Was that D plus based on just what you saw, or is it weighted to what your expectations were at the beginning of the season versus the record you see now? Yeah, I think it's more the latter. I think that's the approach I used as I... Uh as I graded all of the 15 teams in the, uh, in the East, you got to factor in, you know, really what they're capable of, what the expectations have been mine, but certainly, you know, in general um, for those teams, uh, how close they are playing to their potential. Um, you know, you have different expectations for the Orlando magic than, than you do the Philadelphia 76ers or, yeah. you know, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's why we didn't bring you on here to to yell and scream, how dare you, because all our (laughs) expectations was a team that was going to flirt with 50 wins, and now uh, they'd be lucky if they hit 40. And I'm curious just what you see from uh, from this group, and you talked about how there's a sameness to the Raptors roster. We've certainly seen it. We love the versatility. The shooting has stunk. Uh, But just when you look at the Toronto Raptors, um, what do you see, and are you as confused as we are? Well, no, I doubt I am as confused because I don't follow the Raptors um, as heavily as you folks do. I mean, that's that's your team. I, I'm 
I'm sort of, uh, you know, the view from 30,000 feet. Um, and, and so I just look at, you know, what's, go- what's going on, uh, what, I, what I see. I agree. I think that there's a, a lack of shooting. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet's shooting uh, slump this season has been, you know, uh, heavily covered. But, you know, that's important. I mean, he's the guy with the ball in his hands. He is the, uh, you know, the, the primary backcourt threat. And, um, you know, as he goes in a, in a, in a, in a real sense, so go the Raptors. I, I do think the, um, um, you know, the interchangeability, which is um, to be admired defensively when you can switch so many spots, um, you know, it, it, it hasn't lent itself to, you know, great, um, creation with the ball. I mean, you, you know, you get you got Van Vliet, and, you know, how many guys initiate the offense? Now, I know, you know, Siakam is, is capable of that. Um, Scotty Barnes certainly was a point, uh, point forward, um, you know, from soon after he walked in as a rookie. Um, but, you know, it's still, um, they're not getting, I don't think, the, the full um, uh, results of their potential, you know, offensively. So I think that that's a... Um, that's a that's a shortfall as well. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. No. I, from us, it's just been a, a weird season. Again, a lot of it's just traced back to the expectations we had for the Toronto Raptors. So, from your view, and again, if someone doesn't cover on a regular basis and uh, devoid of the emotion that is certainly more here in Toronto, when you view the Raptors through the relationship of what they could or could not mean for the trade deadline, which is less than a month. How much attention are you putting on the Raptors and their players in terms of what moves they may or may not make? Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that they have to maybe fix things from within more than, you know, find some help from outside. Um, you know, if they could pick up either at the uh, trade deadline or in the, um, you know, the buyout market, you know, a little bit further into the, uh, the second half of the season, um, some help, um, you know, uh, in those areas that we talked about. I mean, that would be that would be fine. Um, I don't hear a lot of rumors about the Raptors or any players in particular, either either those um, on the block or or those that they would covet. Um, I do think that it's a it's an internal thing. I think that um, you know, I don't know. Now I've read things suggesting the cupboard's a little bare compared to. Um, you know, what this team has come up with and the way they've developed uh, players and later picks and free agents and things like that. But um, it, it's, yeah, it's, I just, my sense is that they need to be doing more with what they have rather than um, looking outside for, for the answer. I am. What I'm curious about is would they go the other way and become sellers, but we'll find out more in under a month. Um, getting away from the Raptors for a second, their opponent last night was uh, was Charlotte. And don't worry, I, I don't want to break down Charlotte's uh, front court. <laughs> I, I'm just more curious as someone who covered, uh, you know, I, I love the your avatar on your Twitter account um, with, uh, with with you photo bombing Wilt Chamberlain. I want to talk about another legend in Michael Jordan. And I was debating this off the top of the show. I'm, I've been trying to think of a player who had more success in their respective field of play and less success when they retired as an executive slash owner as Michael Jordan. And I'll be honest with you, uh, it's hard to come up with an answer. 
No, it's a good, it's a, that's actually a, it would be a great story idea. I mean, when you think about, um, you know, arguably the greatest player ever, and then, you know, what, what did he do in his next professional act? And, um, you know, I mean, you could cut that across, across sports even. Oh, to, yeah, uh, all sports, absolutely. To compare and contrast. Yeah, like I, like I'll throw out names like like Magic Johnson, uh, a disaster as a coach. Um, uh, in terms of popularity, what Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson used to be to who they are now. Um, I was even going back and, and joking, um, you know, about um, about old timey baseball players, uh, you know, right. who had like a better winning percentage uh, when they were a batter, like Ted Williams, and when they were a manager, or Wayne Gretzky as a manager of the Coyotes, but. I I think it's just stunning that that Michael Jordan has yet to f- experience any sort of success um, beyond what he does with Nike. Well, I you know it's interesting because internally, um, you know, I had my thoughts about the grade I was going to give the Hornets, and um, you know, uh, there was some discussion like, eh, do you think that the league is going to be very happy? with such a low grade for the team owned by Michael Jordan. <laughs> so, you know, I had to sort of factor that in a little bit and I might've, uh, I might've bumped them a half a grade or so, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it is, it is interesting. Um, you know, the Hornets just can't get out of their own way sometimes. And, um, you know, I thought James Borrego was a good coach. He got fired. Now he had an opportunity. He was given, you know, a good amount of time. Uh, now they've gone back to Steve Clifford, who, you know, the first time he, he stepped away from NBA coaching, I mean, it was his health was, was uh, involved. And I worry about Cliff in terms of this team and, and uh, you know, what he has to, to cope with. He must have found some good coping skills to be able to uh, put up with it, what he's found. Injuries matter. And, you know, having LaMelo Ball out for a good stretch, I mean, that hurt. But the team played about the same with or without a uh, ball for the first half. So, you know, that's not the answer either. Um, yeah, that, that uh, I'm, I'm sure it's an embarrassment to a certain degree. I think that they would like to have more of a showcase. Um, things were looking up in Charlotte when they had the All-Star game there, you know, several years ago. Um, but right now, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a problem, I think, for the league, and I, an eyesore. Oh, God, yeah. And they haven't really had that real star player. No offense to uh, Kemba Walker. We'll see if it eventually becomes LaMelo Ball. Uh, Steve, I'll, let, I'll leave you with this. And go read his work at NBA.com. Gave midseason grades for all the teams in the East. Um, if we go from the bottom, which is talking about Charlotte, to the top, um, you know, Milwaukee probably has the best player in Giannis. But issues with Chris Middleton. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets have been incredible, but we're waiting for some weird thing to go on. Or is it the Boston Celtics? For you, is there a definitive number one team in the East? Well, I've been a Boston guy from the uh, from the start. In terms of, um, I probably put um, you know my highest priority on those teams that get to the finals, and and you know when they don't win. Um, I expect a lot of them when, when they come back because I think they've gotten a taste of things. I think that they learned some things about themselves in a long playoff run. Um, you know, I was not surprised last season when the Phoenix Suns uh, came back from their loss to the Bucks in the finals to post the best record in the regular season. Now I was surprised when they went down in the playoffs to, you know, that Dallas team. 
Um, so, you know, but I think Boston, they learned a lot. And uh, the fact that they overcame uh, the coaching situation that was dropped on them, you know, before the start of camp with, you know, um, Ime Udoka uh, being put on a, a team suspension, effectively replaced. Um, and, uh, you know, Joe Mazzula moving over one chair to, uh, to take things over. They've, they've been so um, smooth in the handling of that. And I guess I look at it and I say, well, you know, Udoka was a first-year coach last year, and they're just sort of dealing with a first-year coach this year. And they've, they've recently done that. So, you know, in that outlook, I guess I, I give them points. Mazzula deserves credit because, you know, he has not shrunk from the job. Um, he has put his own stamp on some things and the way he, he coaches that team, both, um, you know, in-game and, and interpersonally. And when you get two guys like Tatum and, and uh, Brown taking the step, it, that's, uh, it's a big one. It's, it's, it's normal at this point in their careers, but it's a big step, and they're both performing so well, all-star level in Tatum's case, an MVP candidate level. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you can do a lot of, a lot of good things. And uh, with, if Robert Williams third you know, can get and yeah. stay healthy. And they've got they've got what you need at both ends. So that's my choice. It's a it's a good choice, and I mean we're just I mean we're all just waiting to see what the hell happens with Brooklyn. They could win their next twenty in a row, or um, well, absolute chaos. Steve, really appreciate uh, you joining the show today. Senior writer with NBA.com. Check out his work, and again, don't be angry at his grades with the Raptors. It's weighted on expectations, and if we're all honest. At the, at the, we might have bumped it up to a C minus. That's probably about most we would have done. Steve, really appreciate. I used to yell at my math teacher when I got a bad midterm grade, but ultimately I'm the one that had to make things add up. Hey, I uh, I was happy when my French teacher ever gave me a D plus. So I thought she was being nice to me, so uh, <laughs> that's the way I always viewed it. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me. Take care. Uh, coming up on the other side. This is a statement that's rarely said. I feel bad for Mike McCarthy. I feel bad for the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I will explain in a moment. Plus, my cowardly bet of the day. It involves the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll do that right after traffic. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. I can't believe it's taken me an hour and 18 minutes to mention this. Damar Hamlin has been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center. Hamlin was admitted on Monday, went through a comprehensive medical evaluation, as well as a series of cardiac, cardiac, neurological, and vascular testing on Tuesday. He has been discharged. Again, a different, the, what a difference a week makes. That is fantastic news. I mean, first and foremost, this is all about him as a person. This is about his friends and family and the fact that now the level of stress that is on anyone close to his orbit can be greatly reduced. From a football perspective, this means that for the Buffalo Bills, there won't be any, any lingering thought. Now, Football players are incredibly, their ability to compartmentalize is scary, like serial killer level scary. We had Lomas Brown on the show, former great Detroit Lions offensive lineman, and he saw Mike Utley, his teammate, a a guard with the Lions, um, get carted off and he was paralyzed and they had to continue playing that game. 
For the Buffalo Bills now, they can go into this game clear-minded as they get set to take on the Miami Dolphins as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite because Skylar Thompson's at quarterback for the Dolphins. Yeah, what a what a set of positive news coming out of yeah. Buffalo today to know that, that Hamlin is, is, is on the well road. Yes. Um, back to... On the what road? The well road. The what? The good road. Okay. I think if you went back and <laughs> I was using to different road. I was using I, different words. I think all those roads were meandering to a mistake. <laughs> I think it's and and far be it for me to make fun of someone. Let's else. say the positive road. There you for go, Demar Hamlin. Yes, absolutely. Safely discharged. Absolutely. I know Sean McDermott was talking yeah. about. Um, uh, it's whether his decision to meet up with the team mm-hmm. when his time's right, yeah. when he's fully healthy enough to to get back out and uh, to see his teammates. But what a sight! He's back in Buffalo. Yep, uh, going home. Healthy and safe. That is, yeah, absolutely. So, down the positive road, down not the, the well road. Down the positive road. And he's just, the way he said well road, even that sounded weird. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, medicine, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser will be joining the show at 3.30, the assistant general manager of the Maple Leafs Hockey Hall of Famer, and she'll be joining us to talk uh, partially about she got nominated and she won this award, the Empire Club of Canada, which has been around for like, uh, like 120 years. She won the Nation Builder of the Year Award, which is there to recognize and celebrating, um, you know, people, individuals, organizations who made positive, timely, lasting contributions to Canadian society. And speaking of the Leafs, they take on the Predators tonight, 7 o'clock, right here on TSN 1050. We'll get in that game in a moment. And there is no Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is out for tonight's game. But I have to hear this quote, Jerry Jones, uh, doing his weekly radio interview, like all owners do, uh, a little Q&A on the job status of head coach Mike McCarthy. Could anything happen in this playoff game Monday that could put Mike McCarthy's job status in question for next year? No. Just, uh, I don't even want to. Uh, no. That's it. I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses, but I've got a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. The Cowboys went 12-5. and They easily could have gone 13-4, and but the last game against Washington didn't mean anything to them. They lost their starting quarterback, missed five games. And they go 12-5 and in the NFC East that was far better than anyone expected. Eagles, number one seed. Cowboys made the playoffs. Giants made the playoffs. Washington was competitive right to the end. They went 8-8-1. and In fact, if I'm looking at it, the only division where no team had a losing record was the NFC East. The Cowboys go 12-5. and And the conversation with the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is, is his job safe? I just throw out to you blindly, that record, that quarterback missing that time, that hard schedule, would we ever be talking about a coach getting fired? But when it comes to Mike McCarthy, we are. It's just the market that he's in. It's America's Uh. team. You haven't won back-to-back games this season. You're going in as a franchise. Losing wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Eight? They haven't won back-to-back games all year? The, back, ca- the Cowboys? They haven't lost back-to-back games. Oh, sorry. oh yes, yes, sorry. No, they haven't, haven't won, lost yeah. back-to-back yeah, games yeah, all exactly. year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. And I get it's, it's the market, but I, I said this before. We all owe an apology yep. 
to to Mike McCarthy. I thought he was going to be the first coach fired. You tell me you go 12-5 and five in a division with no losing teams and you lose your quarterback for five of the 17 games. That's crazy for me. That's Not, crazy. It is a bit of a fair assumption, though, that Cowboys on the road in the playoffs have lost eight straight matchups. Uh-huh. So there's that expectation. You're coming off a brutal loss against the Commanders, and now you're only three-point favorites against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who've had a terrible season. Yeah. So there, that is the correct and right question. Yes, you've been through, through the, the gutter of the last couple of years not making the playoffs, but you're back up. You're a pretty solid team. The yeah. receiving core is absolutely great. Run game is fantastic this year. Uh-huh. Prescott, if he cleans up those interceptions, they're on, they're on the right road. I know. It just, it just amazes me. It just amazes me that, that they're, we're having the Mike McCarthy, is he going to get fired conversation. And now, and now I'm kind of rooting for Tampa to win 50 to nothing to see if Jerry Jones actually follows through and says Mike McCarthy's not fired. Will Jerry Jones have a lot of confidence if they lose this game? A game that they're legitimately supposed to win. Yeah, they're favored by three, uh, according to uh, FanDuel. Speaking of FanDuel, get me the uh, get me my uh, my stinger because uh, I have got a cowardly bet of the day involving the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Nashville Predators. Hit it, Josh! Oh man, this is gonna get cowardly. Why, you're nothing but a great big coward. Time for... You're right, I am a coward. Matt's cowardly bet of the day. Unless you're too scared. So the news is that Austin Matthews will not be playing tonight. And making his debut is Bobby Mc- McMahon. Is it, did I say that right? Bobby McMahon? Yes, he did. Probably get, and uh, let's see, Nylander's going to be uh, center on that first, uh, is a, who's on that first, I know Pierre Engvall's on that first line. Um, so then it'll be Bunting, Engvall, and Nylander at center. Second line remains the same. Bobby's somewhere on the, on the bottom line. Um, Bobby McMahon, to not score a goal tonight. To not score a goal is minus fourteen hundred. So, if you want to win a free trip on the TTC, do this now because I heard the John Tory uh, speech. Taxes are going up. TTC uh, ride fares are going up. I'm betting forty five dollars and fifty cents will win me $3.25 if Bobby McMahon does not score a goal tonight for the Leafs at home against the Predators. That is so cowardly. Thank you. That is an all-timer. Thank- oh, no, no. Oh, you haven't been around long enough. Oh. You know, I've, I've, had- I've, I've seen some pretty, some pretty cowardly bets around here. Yes, yes. Let me just hit place bet and... <laughs> It is done on FanDuel. Now I got. I am. I'm going to be watching this game anytime he's on the ice. My eyes are going to be following him like a cat with a laser pointer. Look out for the first number seventy four Maple Leafs history. Mm. Yeah, Bobby McMahon playing with David Camp and Alexander Kerfoot tonight. Oh yeah. Defense. That's a defense. That's a hey. We're, we the when they're on the ice, it's defensive. It's defensive. He's, uh, been, draws. he's been on the tear in the Marlies though. So okay, shut up. Don't say that. Come on. Don't say that. And Willie Nylander centering the second line with Bunting and Pierre Engvall, Tavares with Marner and Callie Yarncroft this evening. Marner with where, Marner with 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 Tavares and Kelly Yarncroft. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good line. Good line. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, uh, and I see here Nylander points over uh, just to get a point. Uh, the over under uh, it, minus two fifteen is the over. So you have to bet two hundred fifteen dollars to one hundred for Nylander to get one point tonight. Uh, do you like any of the Nylander player prop bets before we go? I do. 
I, I personally do. I would probably take the uh, the point system there. I, I, I do like that. I'll side towards that side. I'll hop on the anytime goal scoring at plus 172 for William Nylander. You cannot that's not bad. go wrong no, that's a with good one. plus odds. Uh-huh. A lot of value as a top goal scoring beast on this team so far. <laughs> you petered out there at the bottom. I was trying to find the back a word. End. You, you, you petered out at the bottom. But he has been. He, no, listen, he truly has been. He is. Yes, of course. My concern is uh, a great goalie for the Preds who's uh, stopped, uh, has made 102 stops in his past two starts, including 38 saves to get his first shutout of the season on Monday against Ottawa. Nylander hasn't scored. In three games, All right, so he's three, due. four, he's due. four, and shots on goal. He's due. It's going to come. On the other side, Haley Wickenheiser is going to join us right after traffic. Traffic brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian businesses for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, and joining me now, it is someone who will do more by 4 o'clock than most of us will do all week. Four-time gold medal winner at the Olympics in women's hockey, Hockey Hall of Famer, Assistant General Manager of the Maple Leafs, and a resident physician. It is Dr. Haley Wickenheiser. Haley, thank you so much for joining the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. When was the last time you slept in, got up, and then binge-watched a TV show all day? Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. But yes, I'm, I, I, I am busy. But I do love to binge watch every once in a while. <laughs> I just can't. I can't imagine that. Um, <laughs> but there's so much to get into. And one of the reasons we're having you on today is first to congratulate you. Um, you are winning the Empire Club of Canada, the Nation Builder of the Year Award, which helps to recognize an individual or, or an organization who's made positive, timely, and lasting contributions to Canadian society. I can't think of anyone more. Well, no, I'm sure there are others, but you are more than deserving of this award. I was watching the documentary uh, on you on TSN the other day. I was wondering if you could tell everyone about, let's just start here, hockey in the Himalayas with Wickfest in India. <laughs> yeah, it was quite an incredible experience. There was 11 of us um some of us were hockey players, NHL, Western League, uh, women's game. Others were just good Samaritans. And so we put together uh, 65 bags of hockey gear and went up into 13,000 feet into the Himalayas and worked with a group of uh, young girls that uh, play hockey up there on the Indus River and are really promoting and trying to grow the game across India. You would never associate India with ice hockey, but um, actually their military plays up up on the, the Himalayas on the, the Pakistani-India uh, borders there. They play quite a bit because it's cold. So uh, we ended up playing against some of the military teams as well as uh, helping the girls out. And it was uh, it an incredible experience. It's amazing where the game can take you. And uh, I literally felt like I was playing hockey in heaven. Yeah, it, it, I recommend everyone go check it out visually. It's gorgeous, and you bring in equipment to to some of the young girls there that might not be able to afford it. It's it's a great story, uh, and just what a cool adventure. Well, speaking of just women's hockey, I'm curious, Haley, how far has women's hockey come in terms of recognition, financial viability, say now in 2023, versus when you won your first gold back in 1994? 
Well, I mean, uh, I guess uh, from that span of time, a tremendous uh, growth in the game, both in the numbers playing, the, um, you know, just the resources that are allocated to the women's game now. There's more eyes, uh, you know, the advancement of social media makes it more accessible for people to learn about the players, things like that. In terms of, um, you know, the country's uh, growth of the game as well, I think it's come a long ways, but uh, we still have... You know, we don't have a professional women's league in hockey. And, uh, and you know, I think many of us would have thought 10 years ago we wouldn't still be talking about this, but we are. That's a frustrating aspect for me. Um, two leagues that can't seem to figure out how to make one. So uh, I think that's really the next step that will propel the women's game uh, to, to the next level is to have professional hockey where they're paid to play. Yeah, and it it is. I mean, I, I was going to say the word remarkable, but there's much better adjectives. I, I'm I'm amazed it hasn't happened yet, especially when you just see the level of growth and the level of talent. I mean, and, and I've always said this. Um, there's almost nothing as a sports fan that I enjoy more than watching when when the Canadian women would take on the American women in any international hockey event. That to me is at the highest level of sports. Yeah, I was talking to uh, someone a few days ago who said, you know, the, the gold medal game in Sochi was a, it was a hockey, an NHL hockey player. He said the gold medal game in Sochi was one of the best games that he'd ever seen. And so I think when you see Canada and the U.S. play against each other, regardless of where it is in the circumstances, it's always guaranteed to be a great game. It's one of the greatest rivalries in all of sport, and uh, you know, something I think people love to watch because it's like razor sharp between the two teams, and the outcome is really unpredictable. How much pain were you in in Sochi? Uh, you know what? I wasn't. I wasn't in that much pain. Uh, it was more just managing uh, a looming surgery that I knew I had to have, and uh, <laughs> and uh, trying not to make it any worse. So uh, I had a little scooter. I actually broke my foot, so I was using a scooter to get around the athlete village, so I could deload my my foot, and uh, it seemed to help me quite a bit. I'm sure it must have been the most high end stainless steel scooter if it was helping to transport one of Canada's greatest hockey players. <laughs> you know what? It was the cheapest Toys R Us scooter. I think I bribed some of the security guards at the, the Athletes Village to take it through into the village. They weren't going to allow it. So I ended up getting every Canadian athlete to sign that scooter. It's probably one of my prized memorabilia items from all the Olympics that I've been through because it just represents so much. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, and you'll find that also in the documentary. Um, by the way, a reminder, everyone, go to empireclubofcanada.com, and that is coming up at the end of January, where Dr. Haley Wickenheiser will be receiving that award. It's going to be in conversation with, uh, with Tessa Benham. And again, that's on January 30th at 11 a.m. Um, what part do you think you've played and will continue to play in terms of just the, the term shattering the glass ceiling now as an assistant general manager of the Maple Leafs. And for me, when I found out that that happened, I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. But maybe 10, 15 years ago, that would have been seen as more of an oddity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that reaction is kind of the reaction that we all want to have. You know, uh, many women are working in the in the NHL and rightfully so. They're very capable and competent at what they're doing. And uh, you know, I think that the telltale thing will be when the, when the first woman gets fired. <laughs> it's inevitable. You know, you're you're kind of hired to be to be fired in the NHL. It's a tough place to work, and so uh, you know when that becomes the norm, and, and we're not really talking about it anymore. I think for all of us, all the women that work, like that will be something that uh, you know we kind of expect and and look forward to. Uh, but certainly, there's lots of, of qualified females out there. You know, if you've been in the game a long time, you study it, you work hard. It, it, there are opportunities now, which is great to see.
Yeah, and I think just when it becomes normal, when it's about the name and not the gender, as an assistant yeah. general manager, or eventually as as a general manager, where we're not even going, wow, look at uh, look at this uh, remarkable moment. Maybe the best moment would be if uh, the first female general manager gets fired, and the fans the fans are upset about who she drafted. That would be the ultimate sign of normalcy. Well, that's that's when you know uh, that's when you know it's good when they're when they're yelling and screaming at you about your hockey decisions and not uh, that you're a woman working in hockey. So that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. Well, right. Look, look who Haley drafted. I can't believe she took this person. What a ridiculous, what a ridiculous pick. Um, what's more draining for you, Haley? Playing against the states for a gold medal or a shift at the hospital? Oh, that's a great question. Um, they're very different uh, mentally. Um, I would say that the the pressure and the expectation of playing in those big big moments against the U.S. Um, but I would take that in a heartbeat. The the grind of going through medicine and just the day to day stamina and cognitive load that you go through to just finish uh, med school and residency. It's hard in a different way. So I'd pick those U.S. Canada games any day again. It was, uh, it was the best job ever. <laughs> but I like what I'm doing now. True or false, um, back in the day, especially maybe the early Olympics, you would not get into an elevator with a member of the American women's hockey team. True. <laughs> I love that. I love that version of sports hate. Um, sort of bouncing from sort of fun to serious. Uh, we always hear what's going on in the news, and social media can distort things. Just from your perspective, what is the situation like right now in the hospital? And I mean, obviously, just you can only answer it from your own perspective. What is it like in the hospitals right now that you're working in? Um, well, uh, we just got through a, a very big uh, uh, technical failure here at UHN in the last uh, day or two. It was all over the news. I'm sure people yep. saw it. So our, our EMRs were down, which caused a lot of stress and, and difficulty to manage patients, but we're back up. So from that perspective, things are, I find, always busy here There is since I started medicine. Um, we have a lot of wards on lockdown with COVID. I 10 minutes ago was just seeing a COVID positive patient. It's everywhere and very prevalent and will, I think, always be present. Uh, are people getting as sick as they once were? I don't think so. Um, if you're vaccinated, uh, you're taking wise precautions, people usually do quite well. Uh, so in my experience, uh, we're still very much, it's, it's part of our lives. We deal with it every single day. Um, and it's sort of become our norm. But uh, I think it's something we have to live with and learn how to manage moving forward. And then on top of that, our system, our, our hospitals are just very, very busy to begin with. But I will say, if you're not feeling well and you're sick, please come to the hospital because we will always take care of you. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, um, get vaccinated. Uh, just, just going back, and I've never asked you this, and I, I, I'd love to hear your perspective. Where did your love for the game come from? Was there, like, was there a moment where it just all clicked, where you realized that this was the passion that you wanted to follow? I always loved the game. Uh, I watched my dad play old timers hockey in Shawnee, Saskatchewan, and wasn't much to do in the winter there but play hockey or curl <laughs> so um i i was skating on the outdoor rink at the age of five i didn't play structured hockey uh a lot uh, for the first couple of years i did a lot of outdoor rink and experimenting and watching hockey in canada and just figuring it out on my own and um i always loved the game i i think uh sort of in a way i was born to to play hockey it was kind of it it called by name, and and, uh, and I love that it's never the same thing twice on the ice. So um, I still do to this day, and I think when you when you love what you're doing, it doesn't really feel like work. 
The adversity that you had to deal with um, in your uh, 10, 11, in your early teens and being cut from leagues because of your gender, how much did that adversity that you suffered as a child, how much did that mold you into the player you became? I think it was everything. I, I honestly think I went through several tough experiences as a kid, and, and that made me very resilient, uh, even uh, to what I've been able to, to, to survive today in the terms of getting through medicine and residency and manage uh, two full-time things. I think when you go through and you do hard things in life, it makes you stronger. So I'm kind of a fan of adverse uh, adversity and putting people in uncomfortable positions. I think sometimes uh, you come through the other side better, but uh, it certainly wasn't fun at the time. No, and just uh, in, in Italy and then eventually playing in Finland, I mean, it, it, just for someone of all that you've accomplished in your skills, I also say good on you for not just eventually quitting and not because of uh, an issue with strength of character, but just at some points it must have gotten draining all the times you're getting pushed back only because of your gender. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were many times when I was like mostly in my early teenage years that my mom and dad would say, like, are you sure you want to keep going? Because this is getting this is hard and it doesn't look like it's much fun. But I, I can't really explain why. I always knew that my love of the game would overcome anything else I was going through. And in my mind, I just had to get on the ice. It was all the stuff that I had to deal with until that point when I stepped on the ice. And then I knew that I would be fine. So uh, a lot of stress and anxiety uh, around that. But I think today now for young girls, it's, it's it's much easier. You know, they can walk into a rink and nobody's looking twice, hopefully, and and uh, hopefully uh, not going through the things that, uh, that many of us had to many years ago. So, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. Absolutely. And the comfort and more the normalcy now of the women's game of young girls that can go and play and a lot more options. You certainly played a small, small part in that. And that's why uh, the Empire Club of Canada, the Nation Builder of the Year Award, which is going to be going on January 30th at the Arcadian Court. Uh, it's going to be live streamed at 11 a.m. People can go to EmpireClubOfCanada.com for more information. Tessa Banam will be a part of it. As we end this, Haley, is there any, have you thought about any message or anything um, that you're going to say at this event to, to people that are watching or people that are attending? Uh, you know what? I haven't, I haven't really prepared uh, I, I, uh, too much, Matt, but I, I think, you know, my message is going to be like uh, I, uh, for everything I've experienced in both hockey and medicine, uh, I think you always get so much more back than you ever do, you ever give out when you step up to help people or try to make a difference. So for anybody listening that's, you know, minor hockey coach, a volunteer, you know, parent and is just out there trying to help people, help your kids in sport, I mean, um, it makes a big difference to be supportive and be positive, and you never know, uh, you know, which life you'll impact and and uh, the difference that you're going to make. So uh, I appreciate everybody that helped me through my athletic career, and I wouldn't be talking to you if I didn't have a, a pretty big village of people that lifted me up. And we appreciate you taking time. Uh, you're busier than most people I know, Haley. Congratulations just on your own journey uh, from the Olympics, now with the Maple Leafs, and then beyond that, everything with medicine and working at the hospital and all the work you're doing. I, you know, I don't use the term that much, but you are an inspiration, and I really appreciate Thank you so much for joining the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. That is Hockey Hall of Famer Haley Wickenheiser. We will wrap up the show in a minute. Coming up after traffic, it is sound of the day. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Welcome. 
Welcome back, everyone. Start with that. <laughs> this is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos. What happened there is my headphones were turned down, so I started to talk. I'm like, wait, did you turn the mic on, you dummy? Oh, wait, no, I didn't. Oh, no, I did. My headphones were just down. That is me giving you a peek behind the curtain of this well-oiled machine here at TSN 1050. Gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. We do this at the end of each and every show, and this one is a delight. It is time now for Sound of the Day. Sound of the Day! Sound of the Day! Now, there's one thing I always enjoy, and that is radio legend Chris Mad Dog Russo. Um, he was part of an, one of the most famous radio teams in the 80s, Mike and the Mad Dog. And every Wednesday, Chris Mad Dog Russo goes on first take with Stephen A. Smith, and we like to listen to it because usually it leads to a lot of just ridiculous amounts of yelling and screaming. This one... It's, it's a beautiful clip of Mad Dog Russo getting angry, not a, not a shock to anyone, getting angry about a bet that he lost, and then sort of an admission about his relationship with his wife. Have a listen. Not only that, I had the Rams on the money line. That didn't work out either. They lost 16-13. The points didn't help me. That call <laughs> drove me crazy. That is number two. Agree or not agree? Agree. I can't believe your wife lets you bet. Keep going. She doesn't know. <laughs> well, you just said on that. She don't watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, was that good? Amazing. But first off, just the the emotional switch from Mad Dog Russo. I love when he's screaming to the so point mad. where he, 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 I do the same thing, but I don't do it out of anger. I just do it out of stupidity, where I mash my words together. And in the middle of that, when he's talking about the Rams <laughs> Seattle game, just all the words mashed together, and then he completely does a one eighty. He goes, Ah, she doesn't know. <laughs> he turned back on it so quick. Well, you said it on national television. Yeah. Here's the thing. She might not listen. Probably not, but she'll find out. But she'll find out. There will be a friend, there'll be a family member that says to her, hey, did you hear what your fool of a husband said on the show today? <laughs> you know, it's like, and Matt, I don't think it was yeah. a minimal amount. I bet it was a, uh, yeah. a, a pretty large stake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you when well, it's all you could always tell when people in the media had a lot of money on a game by yes. how passionate they are about it. I'm not going to give specific examples, but there's certainly people that deal with the CFL. I'm like, oh, they're really upset with that Calgary Hamilton game. I wonder why that is. I kind of know why that is. <laughs> by the way, gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. A reminder also, it is the Maple Leafs and the Nashville Predators tonight. You can hear that game on TSN 1050 at 7 o'clock. And I, I think like anyone, we're fascinated to see, you know, William Nylander playing center. What does that line look like with Nylander at center with uh, Bunting and Pierre Engvall? Um, just it, lines are going in a bit of a blender with um, with no Austin Matthews in the lineup, also no TJ Brody. So we'll see what the impact that has on defense as well against the Predators team that's won five in a row. And also, uh, just uh, the other news before we end this show, Tua Tagovailoa has been ruled out for the Dolphins' playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. And speaking of the Buffalo Bills, Tamar Hamlin has been discharged from the hospital there in Buffalo. Fantastic news 
all around. Great job by you, Josh. And again, Thank shout you very out. Much. Yeah, shout out again to Haley Wickenheiser. Overdrive is coming up next. It is Brian Hayes. It's Jeff O'Neill. And from The Athletic, it is Jonas Siegel. And that is coming up. They'll help tee up the Leafs and Preds game as well. I'm Matthew Cause. You've been listening to Gameplay right here on TSN 1050. Time now for a News Talk 1010 traffic update.